Welcome to the Dildorks, dorky discourse on sex, dating, and masturbating. My name is Kate Sloan. I'm a sex journalist, a sex blogger, and I have a personal boundary that if you say something insulting about my genitals while we're fucking, I'm leaving. Bye. (laughs) See you never, friend. Who are you? (laughs) I'm Billy. I'm a sex educator and a porn maker, and I remember the story that's referencing, and also, um, I... uh, Whew, that was a whew, that was a doozy. Also, um, it is a deal breaker for me if you tell me you have no limits. Mm. Yep. I came in with a tagline before this, so I had to use it. Like I actually thought of a tagline in advance. Proud of you. Proud of my Yeah, so I had to put it in there. Like ten minutes in advance, but you know. Also love that you have to say that every time it happens. Because yeah. it's a novelty. Yeah, celebrate successes. <laughs> it's also never done on purpose. It is me walking around the house going, ooh! I have a tagline. Neat. I have a tagline already. Wow. <laughs> so what are we talking about today? Ah, yeah, it's my topic. I should introduce it. Uh, so, <laughs> I'm a scattered boy today, but we're going to make do. Uh, we're talking about limits, boundaries, and deal breakers. And uh, I'll be honest, I stole these off of your brainstorming list, and they were kind of clustered as separate ideas. But I thought it would be interesting to kind of talk about where they overlap as well as like where the differences are because I think my brain's giving me to the untrained eye which sounds rude but I'm running with it um they can (laughs) seem like very similar terms Mm -hmm. you know um so I thought it would be fun to kind of get into the weeds uh with those three so I guess to start us off can you define our terms for us what are we talking about when we say limits versus boundaries versus deal breakers Sure. I think I'll probably start with the easiest one, which I think is deal breakers, which is like, mm-hmm. if someone does this, whether it's a thing that they do consistently, or it's a thing that they do once, you're like, sorry, I can't be in this relationship anymore, or I can't have sex with you anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of these that I have, but a lot of them are so basic level that they just don't really come into play that often. Like, I'm not gonna fuck a Republican. Um <laughs> There's stuff like that that's fairly basic and that you could probably intuit just by knowing me. But then there's stuff that, like, maybe you wouldn't necessarily know. Like, it, it is a deal breaker for me if someone's not cool with period sex. And that's just mm-hmm. something I've had to sort of realize about myself is I'm not willing to put up with the way that that makes me feel about my body. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not, you know, necessarily a judgment on them. It's just like, that's a way that we would be incompatible. And so that is a deal breaker for me. Mm-hmm. Um Next is boundaries, which is a rule that you apply to your own behavior and what you will and will not tolerate. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important here to differentiate between a boundary and like a rule that you might impose on someone. Because often people will say, like, for example, I have a boundary that my partners aren't allowed to watch porn. (laughs) That's not a boundary I have, by the way. I see this a lot on Reddit. Um, But that's not a boundary because your boundary has to be about what you will and will not do. And so you can make your boundary be, I will not stay in a relationship with someone who watches porn. Mm -hmm. It's on you to enforce that, though. And by enforce it, I don't mean force people to stop watching porn. I mean, if someone is watching porn and that's your boundary. You got to end that relationship, babe. Like that's the Mm -hmm. boundary you decided on. You don't get to control other people's behavior or impose stuff like that on others, other people's behavior, unless we're talking about just matters of basic decency. So that's boundaries. Limits is a term I think that comes up more in kink specifically. Mm -hmm. Um, And in a kink negotiation, a limit is something that you don't want to do in the kink scene. Usually they're broken down into hard limits or soft limits. Hard limits being absolutely not under no circumstances will I ever do this. Soft limit might be like, I'll do it under certain circumstances if we talk about it beforehand or like I'll do it with certain partners or I'll do it but you need to understand that that's like right at the edge of what I'm capable of and so you need to Mm -hmm. be prepared to deal with that. Um, A limit is a thing where like, if someone did it and they knew it was a limit and they did it anyway, that to me would be a deal breaker. So that's mm-hmm. an example of like how some of these overlap. Another example would be like, I don't hook up with people again who knowingly, you know, push past one of my limits. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So you can see how some of these apply to our own behavior. Some of them apply to other people's behaviors. Some of them can touch on both. 
Yeah. And I think that it's good and healthy to be aware of what yours are in all three Mm -hmm. of these categories. Absolutely. Yeah. I think when I was writing up questions for this, I was thinking of them as a little bit of gradients of scale, but not exactly that, right? Whereas a limit, like you said, yeah, I generally encounter that in like sex and kink environments, right? Where it is specifically within this subset of activities, what are you comfortable doing? What are you not comfortable doing? And it's activities that you and I will do together, mm-hmm. right? I suppose I could say going golfing is a hard limit of mine. It It, it is 18 holes. I would lose my fucking mind probably. <laughs> Um, but like, that's not colloquially often how we use them. Right. But I do think of a limit as like an activity that I am willing to engage in with you. Uh, the things that are not on that, or rather the opposite of that, the the thing, the activities that I'm not willing to engage in with people. Right. Mm -hmm. Whereas boundaries I think of as still about behaviors, but the behaviors I will tolerate around me. Mm -hmm. Um, and like, the, the behaviors I'm comfortable engaging with. And that does kind of extend outside of the sex and kink sphere and things, right? Um, but yeah, like you said, it's very important that it is me-focused stuff. Um, and So boundaries are like behaviors that I am, whether or not I'm comfortable engaging with them, whereas deal breakers are like people whether <laughs> that I would not be comfortable engaging with, right? If you... It is, it's behaviors that I'm like, oh, that is enough that I will cut off this person from my life or this relationship or whatever that looks like, right? Where mm-hmm. this is a big enough hurdle that it is not worth overcoming or discussing or whatever. It, it is indicative of whatever. Mm-hmm. But I think you called out an interesting thing when you talked about how uh, a rule that you impose on someone else and a boundary that you uh, talk about with yourself, sometimes the difference is phrasing. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you look at the actual sentence itself um, versus, uh, like, obviously the behaviors are very different. But when you look at the sentence, sometimes it's, it's the way it's worded makes a huge difference. So I'm curious, like, how do you how do you learn what your limits, boundaries, and deal breakers are? And then how do you decide which categories they go into, right? How did you take something that is a boundary and decide that's big enough that it's a deal breaker, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, sort of an initial step of this process is if you notice yourself bristling at something that a partner is doing or has done, you kind of have Mm -hmm. to look inward and first of all go like, is this an issue with me that I'm reacting this way to this thing? Mm -hmm. For example, the thing about not wanting your partner to watch porn. I'm not saying there's no situation in which that would be justified or okay. Mm -hmm. And obviously it's not up to me to adjudicate other people's relationships and like whatever Mm -hmm. works for them is fine. But I do think that if you're having a very strong emotional reaction to your your partner watching porn, it is worth first looking inward and being like, is this because I have insecurities about my body that maybe it would be helpful to see a therapist about or get reassurance from my partner about? Is this because Mm -hmm. my partner like cheated once before and I haven't really healed from that? There's a bunch of things that could be underlying that. And I think a lot of times people just want to jump to legislating away their feelings, which I think is a phrase that comes from Dr. Liz Powell, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Sounds right which is where you just sort of like create rules and boundaries and whatnot to sort of prevent yourself from having to feel a difficult feeling. Mm -hmm. And I think in many cases, the first and most useful step here is to uh, examine internally, like, is there anything you can do about those feelings? Assuming that the thing that you're reacting to is something that like actually isn't that bad. Um, Um, The next thing is like a lot of the things that I consider deal breakers, not all of them, but a lot of them are things that like I consider bad regardless of what kind of relationship we have. Like the thing about Mm -hmm. being a Republican, like I also wouldn't be friends with a Republican because they Mm -hmm. are systematically destroying the rights and freedoms of myself and many people I love and care about. It's just not something Mm -hmm. I'm willing to do. Um, So I would frame that as a deal breaker rather than like a boundary because I feel like boundary implies like oh this is just a quirky little thing about me is I don't like it when people are voting against the rights of my loved ones um Mm -hmm. I think a deal breaker for me in many cases implies more of a moral stance on what it is Mm -hmm. that they're doing Mm -hmm. um it also may be related to things that feel very fixed in your psychology so like for example for me if I was with especially a man who had anger issues that he was not um, addressing, 
mm-hmm. and who was like yelling a lot or getting very angry a lot of the time, like that is a deal breaker for me because of childhood trauma I experienced along those lines. And mm-hmm. yes, theoretically, if I really cared about someone and wanted to be with them and support them through the process of getting help for their anger issue or whatever, like maybe I could work more on my trauma and whatnot. But like I've done a lot of work on that trauma and it's still just something that like triggers me and upsets me. And mm-hmm. I just don't really want or need that in my life. <laughs> like when and there are people- And that's assuming that you could get close enough to this person with anger issues to care that deeply about them before right. the anger issues become a deal breaker. Which right, Knowing exactly. you doesn't seem super likely for you. Yeah. And I also think that there can be a thing to deal breakers and to boundaries that's about self-protection. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to explain this, but like if I didn't have a very hard boundary in mind that I don't date people who have anger issues or who yell, there's a possibility that like I might start dating someone, you know, start to fall for them. Then they start yelling and I might go into people pleaser mode or Mm -hmm. sort of just try to reason with myself internally about it and be like, well, it's not that bad because X, Y, Z excuses, whatever I can deal with it or they're going to work on it or whatever. But because Mm -hmm. I have this rule in my mind that I've very clearly set for myself, like I feel much more justified, even though I'm the one who made up the rule in being Mm -hmm. like, nope, like that's the rule. I'm not going to, you know, break that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as as far as yeah. limits, hard versus soft limits, I think to some extent this is something that you may not entirely know until you sort of reach those limits, mm-hmm. as we were talking about recently in the Safe Word episodes. Um, there are definitely some things in kink that I knew from the get-go. I was like, I have no interest in that, and that sounds horrible to me, and I don't want to do that. But there mm-hmm. are also plenty of things where, like, oh, that sounded kind of cool. Maybe it looked cool in a story I read or a porn scene I saw or even mm-hmm. in a fantasy I had. And then I try it, and I'm like, oh, nope, actually, uh, mm-hmm. whether for physical or psychological reasons. And at that point, you maybe want to think about, is this a hard limit or a soft limit? And again, that may not be something that you really know. I know that a lot of kinksters have things that they initially put on one of those lists and then end up moving it over to the other one or vice versa, you know, go back and forth because Mm -hmm. it might just really depend on where you're at in your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the the, the barrier between hard and soft limits for me is is pretty ephemeral and fuzzy. I Mm -hmm. Generally in conversations, I don't distinguish them all that much. Um, for me, it tends to be more, here's the thing I hate that you can do, and here are things I hate that you can't do. Right. Um, <laughs> and the things I hate that you can do is usually within the context of, you could pepper them in. Like, that is not, like, we're not focusing a thing around this unless we're, like, really trying to do some, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, soft limits is actually more of an internal list of, like, if 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 uh, are you qualified to be offered my soft limits as well as the mm. uh, the the low key stuff like the easier stuff I'm into right like impact if I'm nego- if I feel comfortable negotiating a scene with you I probably feel comfortable negotiating an impact scene with you right mm-hmm. um, whereas my soft limit list is like no these are people that I like trust and like are looking for some like a scene with more connection but also someone that I know will like hold space for me to do something hard right. Mm-hmm. That's limits. I want to jump over to deal breakers because I think what you were saying about it being linked to like uh, uh, morality or like my own personal ethical code, I think is certainly part of that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there are there is a big cluster of deal breakers for me that it is like no, we are we have disparate views on like pretty core things for both of us, and we feel really strongly about them, and like our own personal ethics are in opposition. Mm-hmm. A relationship is just like the, that's not a steady foundation for any sort of relationship, right? Right. Um, but I, I have other stuff in there that is um, less of a moral judgment and more of a that's just like super not compatible with me. I'm just not going to have a great time with that. Um, like if they're and, monogamous. Yeah. Or even <laughs> a don't ask, don't tell flavor of poly. Mm-hmm. I, and like there are so many things. And so many of those deal breakers, um, yeah, sure, there's probably stuff I can think of that's on that list in theory that I'm like, yeah, that probably seems like a thing that I wouldn't be into. And I might put it on a, on my uh, deal breaker list, right? And if I encounter someone like real cute exhibiting that behavior, and I've never engaged with someone with that behavior before, and I just like 
can imagine why it's on my list and can imagine that that would be a hard thing for me. I know myself well enough to know that in that circumstance, I'm going to be like, I could figure it out. Look at how cute they are, though. <laughs> yeah. We'll yeah. see. We'll see. So, like, my firmest uh, deal breakers and boundaries and limits, too, are pretty much all from encountering them and being like, no, it's just not worth it for me. It's yeah. ju- It just makes me feel not great. And I can actually, like, summon up that feeling of not great and, like, remember what it felt like to feel it mm-hmm. and that is a a much stronger boundary but be a much easier one for me to reinforce because it's less theoretical for me it's like no i this is just gonna feel bad and i i don't know i'm just like fundamentally less interested in pursuing it usually yeah like it's not just a oh there's a rule and i'm following my own rules, so i'm not gonna do this it's like oh you're not hot anymore never mind <laughs> bye now have fun, right? Like, just because, I, I don't know, it feels like looking at a menu and reading a sandwich and being like, oh, yeah, it's got, like, chicken in it and this nice, like, I don't know, spicy sauce thing that I really like and all these veggies that I like or whatever. And, like, oh, and it has uh, uh, cilantro. That's going to taste like soap. Okay, never mind then. <laughs> no, no, thank you. Right. Right? <laughs> like, it's just finding that one thing that I'm just like, oh, that will ruin the whole experience for me. So, no, never mind. Yeah, this this reminds me of how I used to have this recurring crush on this guy. Every time I saw him, I wanted to hook up with him again. Uh-huh. And then sometimes I would text you about it and you would be like, but he doesn't like when you use vibrators, remember? <laughs> and I would be like, oh, shit. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> he doesn't. And and that's just that is a deal, a deal breaker for me like that. Mm-hmm. Simply, I will not have a good time during sex, not only because I like using vibrators in there often the way that I get off, but also just because like they're so core to my life and my identity and my work that I would just be side eyeing the person the entire time. Like, what the fuck? Um, So I couldn't really relax and enjoy myself. And I Mm -hmm. think that you in that instance, in those instances, were doing a similar thing to what boundaries and rules and deal breakers can do for yourself generally, Mm -hmm. which is just be a reminder of, yeah, things that are just not worth it. And I agree with you that sometimes it's, it can be very easy to forget why that is, especially when there's a cute person in front of you. Mm -hmm. But if you have the rules written down somewhere, especially with like maybe a little reminder, why is this a rule? (laughs) Then that might Mm -hmm. be helpful. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, I agree. And I think similarly, like like you were saying, just having it in my head and being like, I labeled that a, a boundary or a deal breaker or whatever is enough to get me like seeing it happening and being like, hmm. Like I in my vetting section of my better bottoming workshop, I have a whole list of things that I see as like red flags for me that assign we're not going to be compatible playing together or whatever. In recent memory, I can think of people I've had crushes on like exhibiting some of those behaviors and be like, it's fine. And like looking back and be like, no, I've said that 17 times in the past like month that that's a limit. I've taught classes full of people that that is a limit for me and it makes me feel icky. But like Mm -hmm. it was one that was theoretical for a while is like, that makes sense to me as a thing that would make me feel icky. Right. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, I, you don't always notice it happening until you look around and you're like, wait, I feel icky. I think the first time I noticed it, I was in the middle of teaching the class and I said the sentence and went, oh, huh, interesting, right? So like even having them and knowing them doesn't mean that you're always going to be perfect at it. But I do know, like, I find them most useful when I can link them to a tangible memory and experience and be like, do you want to do that one again though? No, no, I don't. Thank you. No, I don't. Thank you boundaries. Mm -hmm. But that could also be a product of how my brain works. (laughs) It's tough also to hold these boundaries sometimes with yourself. If you've had the experience before of like, Oh, I always said I wouldn't date someone who was X, Y, Z. And then I met someone who was really great, who was X, Y, Z. And it turned out that it was okay. Like my example Mm. is like, I always said I wasn't going to be in a long distance relationship. I always Mm -hmm. just thought like, there's no way that would work for me. I think I would be miserable, but I didn't know. And then I met my now spouse who was just Mm -hmm. one of those people who felt non-negotiable to me from like very 
soon into knowing them. Mm-hmm. And that was one of those, not necessarily hard limits, but like, I had to look at that and be like, was that actually based on any real knowledge and reality? And like, are there ways in which I was wrong about that? Like, mm-hmm. uh, for example, the fact that I actually think LDRs are very introvert friendly in many ways. I don't mm-hmm. have to uh, be as visible to my partner all the time, especially when I have low social spoons. And so... Mm-hmm. You have to sort of, there is a nuanced ground, I think, between holding your boundaries very firmly, as you often should and often need to, versus mm-hmm. knowing when might be appropriate for them to be a little bit flexible. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's the kind of thing you can only really learn with like wisdom and experience. Yeah. That brings me to a couple of questions, actually. But first, I'm curious, are there other limits or boundaries or deal breakers that have either shuffled around between categories or that you've added or removed recently? Like, can you think of ways those lists have changed significantly for you recently? I guess is what I'm getting at. I think that I used to, I don't know if this is really a boundary, but I used to sort of have an attitude of like, I like when people go down on me. I would prefer that people go down on me before we do any penetration stuff. Like it's, I thought of it for a long time as sort of a nice to have. And I think that was just like, I was lowering my standards because I had been on Tinder for too long and like, just had gone on so many like casual hookups where I just felt like my pleasure wasn't prioritized and that sort of started to shift my like Overton window internally of like what is acceptable for me to expect and Mm -hmm. I think that at a certain point that became more of a like (laughs) boundary approaching deal breaker is like if you're not going to go down on me and not just go down on me but like do it often and enthusiastically like with genuine love of the game like I just Mm -hmm. don't think we're compatible Mm -hmm. um I just don't think that we're gonna be a good match and like I did have a one good hookup once with a guy who explained to me like I don't really go down on people because I just don't really enjoy it and I feel like I you know I'm not gonna do it well if I don't enjoy it and probably both people don't want me to be doing it if right. I'm not enjoying it. I kind of respected that and we mm-hmm. had a good hookup and everything but at the same time it's like that's not a person who I would probably want to fuck again. Like it's just, right. you know, that's just an incompatibility. Right. Um, I mean like blowjobs was one of these for a long time for me like in the very mm-hmm. early days of my sex life. Like I was so terrified at the thought of giving a blowjob that I literally was thinking ahead like how do I communicate to people that this is not something that I do and will anybody even want to be with me if they have a dick and I don't offer to suck it like as is that going to be a deal breaker for them which I think for many people it would be mm-hmm. um and then you know slowly over time I became comfortable with it and then it actually got to the point where like if I was with someone who had a dick who like didn't want BJ's I think I would struggle with that <laughs> like, mm-hmm. That's like a key way I express sexual affection to people. And it's also just like something I enjoy a lot. So I yeah, just that- really love that phrasing. I, I, I would also like to express a lot of sexual affection via blowjobs and do, but it's just, it's a good summation of that. Yeah. Well, it's like, the reason I phrase it that way is it's like, if I'm with someone who has a dick and we're like rolling around in bed together doing stuff and I'm like overcome by this feeling of like you're so hot and I want to show that to you and like make you feel good and show you how attracted I am to you and how much I like you like BJ's right at the top of the list yep, um, yep. I'm with you and on so that. if yeah. that's taken away it's sort of like I, I, I once dated a guy who was so into giving head that he was, he said, if someone said that I wasn't allowed to give head anymore, like, you might as well just cut my dick off. Like, it's like <laughs> that level of, like, I would be, you know, my sexual performance and enjoyment would be affected. And I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I get that. <laughs> yeah, can empathize. <laughs> did that answer the question at all? Yeah, yeah, it did. I think for me, a lot of, I mean, I talked about this a lot with the last question, so I'm, I'm not going to get into a ton with, like, boundaries and and deal breakers for me because a lot of that has been just firmed up with like little experiences of like oh that didn't feel great I just don't want that again in xyz ways right Mm -hmm. um but limits in terms of kink stuff 
what that list looks like and the way I talk about it has changed drastic, like pretty drastically over my kink career. Mm-hmm. Um, I think early on, I know I was drawn to it. And I think a lot of people often think of like when they go to list their hard limits, and I just see this a lot too, um, they think that it is a list of the edgiest things they can think of that they don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, like the number of times everyone, I see hard limits lists that are like, scat and vomit and like maybe abdl or something and like kids, a list of this animals yeah. yeah exactly kids animals like it's like stuff like that and i'm like that well kids animals first that we're not no and yeah. second of all like no one's shitting on you without talking about that first like <laughs> i no, fucking hope not yeah right like i it, so it, it, it always seems a little baffling to me that like when when you get a hard limits list that is like those five or six things like if you put age play and stuff on there, I'm like, ah, I have learned things about you. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, most of it, I'm like, that yeah, that tracks for me. <laughs> you know? I'm like, that, not that it's not a hard limit for everyone, but like, I don't know. If we've just met and you're listing off your hard limits, I'm like, yeah, I wasn't planning on shitting on you tonight. I don't, <laughs> I know. Right. Um, so I think the thing, like the way my limits list has changed most is the number of like little things that I have put on there that aren't like super edgy or super intense or whatever. Cause I don't know. It feels like when your list is those things you're flexing, like because I'm into everything else, right? like it feels like the equivalent of I have no limits, you know? Yeah. Because you're within this standard realm of deviation with kink. Uh, and again, that's not to say I don't know scat fetishes. Like it's, it is an absolutely fine thing to be into. And the average person is not going to assume you're into it. Like that's Mm -hmm. not the information they're asking for when they say hard limits. Um, so putting things on there, like don't fuck with my nipples, which is mm, floats between hard and soft limit, depending on who you are. Right. Um, because it'll, my brain will be focused on thinking they're going to fall off instead of paying attention to other things. Like it's not... You know, um, so there are things on there that are more, like, nuanced and specific and specific to me. Mm -hmm. Um, There are, like, words on there that I don't love, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I don't love being called beautiful for gender reasons and things. Like, um, so I think feeling more comfortable putting things that feel lighter with the biggest air quotes in the world on my hard limit list without it making me seem like less of an edgy kinkster Mm -hmm. um, has been like one of the bigger changes in my limit list. And I'm like, sometimes I'll negotiate things and people will say like, what are your, like, what are your hard limits? And I will throw like one or two things in there and like, just simply say, and there's really nothing else on that list that I feel is likely to come up in this scene, Mm -hmm. you know? Like, I don't need to be able to list everything I don't want you to do to me. If I say we're not doing anal in this scene, like anal fisting, I don't need to tell you that's a hard limit of mine. <laughs> you can intuit that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's kind of a vague ephemeral answer, but that's kind of how my approach to that has evolved. Mm-hmm. There are also a lot of things that have come off a hard limit list as I have become more interested in playing with fear. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where we get into the nuances of like, this is a limit, but you can, well, I, I usually don't even say limits. This is a, this is a thing I hate, but you can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and talking about that, which I've, we've talked about a lot in uh, episodes of, you know, recently, so I don't want to get too into it. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at my limits list on FetLife, which is pretty, mm. uh, I was about to say pretty limited. It's it's a short list because, yeah, mm. I haven't put every single thing on here that would be my limit. But I think what sticks out to me is that the, a lot of the things on these lists are things that you might sort of naturally assume based on the things that I am into. Yes. That, they, that these things might come along with them. So one of my mm. hard limits is punishment. Actually, mm-hmm. it's, it's currently my only hard limit on my FetLife page is listed as punishment because a lot of the stuff on my into list is stuff that often coincides with 
punishment scenarios. Uh, I got, mm-hmm. you know, schoolgirl uniform. I got spanking. I got DDLG, daddy mm-hmm. doms, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, for reasons related to the aforementioned uh, childhood trauma that I talked about, like, I don't like any of that being framed as a punishment. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that's on here is tickling. And I think that that's an interesting one because tickling is one of those things that, like, a lot of people just assume that it's fine and will like throw it into other stuff they're doing because it's just mm-hmm. not thought of as like a particularly difficult to endure thing by a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I think like it's something that we do sometimes with like parents or siblings when we're kids. It's something that people will just like do to each other as a joke. And so mm-hmm. I do need to say that when I'm telling people my limits um, mm-hmm. because they might not even, you know, it might not even occur to them that that could be one of my limits. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that speaks to how important it is to look at the function of the conversation you're actually having mm-hmm. rather than the the big idea of what is the limit. Because I, I know I'm a person who's like, you want me to give a list of limits? Great, I will make it as exhaustive as possible. And like, I need to have considered every possibility. And it's like, these conversations I think are most useful when we're thinking about how is this likely to come up in, in, in this situation that we're having? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm curious, like given we've listed a lot of examples and things of, of, of limits and deal breakers and whatever, is it possible to have bad limits or boundaries, ones you shouldn't have, or bad deal breakers? It's really tough because on the one hand, I'm like, you no, know, you know, like if that's your boundary, fine. Um, uh-huh. That's up to you. But I do think there are some that are not great. I mean, what comes to mind, and I don't know if this is like really the same thing, but like I'm thinking about all those grinder profiles that say like no fats, no femmes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that would quite fall into the category of things that we're talking about, but like that's shitty. There's also people who Race like and genital preferences. Right. I was about to say people who won't sleep with trans Sorry. people or who have racial preferences. Yeah. And it's like, I think that a lot of those conversations get very messy very quickly because people will be like, oh, so you're saying I have to have sex with a trans person? Like, isn't that like, you know, going against my consent and whatever? And it's Mm -hmm. like, the point is not that you have to have sex with an individual person in this particular situation. The point is that it's weird and exclusionary and bigoted to say that there's like no trans person in the world who you would ever be attracted to or want to fuck, which you just Mm -hmm. have no way of knowing that. And that's true about any identity group. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just weird to say that. Um, But at the same time, of course, like, Obviously, we can't force anybody to have sex with anybody else. That's not what we're trying to do when we encourage right. people to think critically about these sorts of rules that they set for themselves. Another place that I see it coming up is like body type preferences. And that's like mm-hmm. gross, too. Like mm-hmm. you can, I guess, have those internally if you insist. But like the act of sharing them or mentioning them to people is just like, why? That's gross. Yeah. Um, I think that. More often, what is the issue, rather than the boundary itself, is the way in which it's quote-unquote enforced or the way in mm-hmm. which it's talk, talked about. Because, yes, boundaries do apply to your own behavior. Like, I won't date someone who whatever. But mm-hmm. I think oftentimes people end up using them coercively, mm-hmm. where it ends up sounding to the other person more like you have to not do whatever or I'm leaving imminently mm-hmm. and I do think a lot of people unfortunately use them in that way to sort of like gain leverage and power over their partner and get their partner to do whatever they want them to do mm-hmm. I see this a lot on reddit in situations like for example my boyfriend says that he won't be with someone who doesn't give head but like I don't want to give head like what mm-hmm. do I do and it's really tough because in an ideal world, we all would have the agency and the confidence to be able to just hold our own boundaries and say like, okay, like if you want someone to give you head and I'm not going to do it, then like we should break up. But Mm -hmm. in reality, like that's just so hard. Like so many of us have people pleasing tendencies due to past experiences. So many of us are like maybe anxiously attached or have a deep fear of abandonment. And so we're willing to set aside our standards in order to quote unquote keep someone. And so I think it's worth thinking critically about not only like what your boundaries and deal breakers are, but like 
are you employing them in shitty ways? <laughs> like, I think it's a very slippery slope. It's a very easy mistake to make. I probably have made this mistake from both sides at different points in my life. Mm. Uh, but you gotta think about it. And I, th I think it's also important to be aware of when people in your life might be framing their boundaries in a way that's not great for you. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean that everyone who has that same boundary is bad. Just like, don't be shitty about it. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, okay, so I can speak to the trans and genital preference. Like, I most clearly, I have no interest in forcing anyone to, to, to fuck me or whatever. Like, I don't yeah. care. Um, and you're, you'd be having better sex if you considered trans people. I'm just saying. I just, I, that seems like a, a problem on your part. I don't, you just cutting yourself off. I, you know. So, like, I, I, I think there are, uh, I have, several many thoughts and I have to put them all into an order that is understandable to the per people listening to this. Um, <laughs> uh, so the one thought is like the cluster of thoughts around like thought crimes, right? I don't care what's in your head. I don't mm -hmm. care what you're thinking, whatever. What you're thinking can't harm me. What you're thinking can harm you. So it is worth interrogating those things. Are you, I mean, could you be having better sex with trans people? But like also <laughs> what impact are you having on your sex life in general? If you've got no fats, no femmes on your grinder profile, how do you feel about your own body? Right. Uh, how much time do you <laughs> spend so making sure you're not fat or too femme? Mm -hmm. You know? Um, yeah. So like if look at your attraction preferences and like what kind of ecosystem is that creating in your brain? Um, with all these boundaries and limits and deal breakers and stuff. You're so right, and yet it's such a hot take. But I completely agree with you. And people do not realize how much they are telling on themselves with this shit. Right. And then, like, the the, the barrier for me is when it starts falling out of your face. Yeah. Thumbs, if we're talking the internet. But um, <laughs> that's when it becomes harmful to other people. Because mm -hmm. uh, not everyone is going to be capable of looking at that and saying that's a you thing. They're going to see that and be like, ah, I am fundamentally unattractive, right? Right. Um, especially in uh, if we're talking about any kind of marginalized communities that are already devalued, you know? Or um, it'll just normalize that type of bigotry to them. Yes. And be yeah. like, I can do that too because somebody else was doing that. Right. Exactly. So, like, that's where my big issue is, right? But that brings me around to, like, almost the other side of this question, right? If you were a person receiving someone's boundaries, limits, deal breakers, right? They're communicating this to you. Is it ever okay to question them or interrogate them or slightly push back on a boundary you've just received? Someone's just articulated to you. And how? How do you do that, if it is? Yeah, I think there's definitely a spectrum of this. I think that asking clarifying questions is usually okay. Like, mm -hmm. you know, you might wonder, well, does this boundary apply in all situations or only certain ones? And what do you mean exactly when you say whatever? Mm -hmm. um, I think that that's worth checking in on. Um, and this is asking clarifying questions when you actually have confusion because i also think clarifying questions are an interesting tool for where you're like i feel like i actually know the answer to this question but have you considered right this corner of it yeah a little bit of socratic method exactly i think it's also sometimes fine to ask somebody like oh like why do you have that boundary if you don't mind mm -hmm. sharing like is there mm -hmm. something that happened because that might inform the way that you approach it it also might not and it might be personal you know mm -hmm. which is why i usually like to phrase stuff like this like if you're comfortable sharing and it's totally fine if not i you know a lot mm -hmm. of caveats i think that whatever comes to mind for you when you hear that boundary that makes you go like "Ooh, that might not work for me i think you can mm -hmm. ask about whatever that is because it really is better to clear it up in advance rather than just like let things fester or let mm -hmm. things get to a point of like yikes um i like if someone said that they had a boundary that was gonna bother me like for example if i was with someone and they like for the first time and they said like i have a boundary that like i don't go down on people mm -hmm. I would, I might say something like, oh, like that kind of sucks because like I really typically only enjoy sex with people who 
go down on me. But like, mm-hmm. I, it, depending on how willing I was to like work something out with the person, it's possible that we could have a little conversation about like, well, what what do I get out of someone going down on me that I feel like I need, and what other ways can we accomplish that? Which mm-hmm. might be like them being close to me while fingering me with very lubed fingers or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, I think it's valid to ask, like, clarifying questions and to be curious about it. It's just that you also have to be willing to accept if it's something that people don't want to talk about in too much Mm -hmm. detail. Because a lot of times these are related to, like, terrible past experiences and people Mm -hmm. may not want to get into it. And you do also want to be careful about your phrasing because asking clarifying questions, as you said, like, sometimes sounds like it sometimes is skepticism about the boundary itself (laughs) Mm -hmm. and uh like whether or not the boundary is quote-unquote valid or good like the person is not necessarily going to like feel comfy around you or trust you if they feel like you're pushing back before anything even happens yeah yeah i i I agree. I think the reason I put this question in here is because I think there are a lot of people who are so eager to respect people's boundaries and to show that they they're they're going they're listening to your boundaries and limits and they value them and they think they're important Mm -hmm. that they hear them and say yes, of course. And like that's they they don't want to even delve into that right because Mm -hmm. they don't want to come across as looking like they are questioning the validity of them at all. Or right? pushing them, yeah. Or pushing them or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I don't find that helpful as a person who, you may have noticed I'm a bit verbose, um, doesn't take much for a thing to fall out of my face. Uh, a slight preference, and I will verbalize it to you, especially if you're asking me for information. Mm-hmm. Not a hard thing for me. Um, so if everyone takes, like if people I'm negotiating with take everything that falls out of my face as law, mm-hmm. I find that really restricting because I start worrying what I'm going to say that is going to like, because I thought about it for a second and you're going to think it is the strictest opinion that I have. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, So for me, having the space to like discuss a thing and, and, and pick apart an idea is sometimes what allows me to clarify that boundary and like actually gives me, the nuance to be like, oh, this is kind of what I was articulating, actually, because Mm -hmm. of those probing questions and because I've been talking about it longer, right? Mm -hmm. Or, like, bringing up a thing I said to me, and I'll be like, oh, I said that a while ago? I I mean, that was that day I felt that. I I don't feel that way now, I guess. I don't know. Like, you know, let's talk about it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So, for me, I find that really helpful. And I recognize I'm in the minority, right? I reckon especially a lot of queer folks, a lot of um, folks socialized as women and that sort of thing, like, have that people-pleasing tendency, will receive even a little bit of pushback as invalidating because we have a society that does that a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and as an opportunity to shut down. So I do think it is a thing that needs to be done very carefully. Yep. Um, I think the biggest thing to consider is... Uh, the relation the context of your relationship with this person mm-hmm. like do you have the tr- trust there that you're both operating in good faith and you're both trying to show up for each other and that these questions aren't like do you do you trust this person that they want to respect your boundaries mm-hmm. do you know that this person trusts that you want to respect their boundaries right how ha- do you have enough buy-in whether that is through social interaction or having played together before or having a relationship or being in community together and like knowing of each other enough right even like what is your relationship to this person and do you feel like that trust already exists because if that's not the case then like don't interrogate those limits focus on the stuff that you are confident and understand Mm -hmm. and like tiptoe towards the things that feel edgier on your next scene or later in conversations right um and I think what you were saying about opening with, like, if you're comfortable, do you mind telling me X, Y, Z things? Or, like, I'm curious about this. I'm looking for more clarification, right? Like, even starting with, like, I want to make sure I'm respecting this in the way that you need, and this doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Can you help me make that more make more sense, right? Mm-hmm. So an example that's coming to mind for me is, like, early in my relationship, I, and I think I've talked about this on the show before, like, 
my partner had listed objectification on their hard limit list. Like, I looked at the stuff they were into and the things we've talked about, and I was like, I seem like an outlier over there, but okay, whatever. (laughs) There were plenty of other things we were into. We focused on those, right? Um, Three, four, six months into our relationship, I don't know. We were kind of talking about it again, and I was like, yeah, you said your objectification isn't really your thing. Like, you know, tell me more, you know, whatever. Like, yeah, well, I have some circulation issues where, like, if I'm holding a, if Mm. if you're going to make me a piece of furniture, my hands are going to go numb super fast and it's going to be uncomfortable. And, like, I can't sit still in a furniture position for so long. So, like, I don't, I don't want to be an object. And I was like, you you know, fleshlights are objects, right? (laughs) Like, sex toy is an object. And, like, it was a text conversation. I got back all, like, all caps. Oh! (laughs) Oh! And, like... (laughs) totally changed our conversation right Mm -hmm. because i was like hey the way i play with objectification is not the first thing that came to mind for you um what can that look like and like it is a pretty big part of the way we play now is like dehumanizing one or both of us in some sort of way in the way we're role-playing right Mm -hmm. um and it has become a core part of our relationship took several months to get there because i started out with like that well, seems odd but they've they don't know me from fucking joe i you know <laughs> i can just i'm not gonna look at this fun list of plenty of other things with zero question marks around it let's hang out over there mm-hmm. right and build up that rapport before we wrap up though we are coming up close on time i i, I do want to take a moment uh we're talking a lot about establishing these systems in our own heads and everything but i want to talk about like how do you communicate them to people? Like, before th- you encounter a deal breaker or a limit? And, like, how do you communicate them when you're just like, oh, we're here, this is happening, or has happened, and needs <laughs> to be addressed? Because they seem like different conversations. Yeah, I think kink limits are probably the easiest to bring up, because it is pretty mm-hmm. normal to talk about these things before you do them. Like, there are mm-hmm. situations, I've definitely been in situations where, like, things started happening so quickly that we just sort of fell into it, and I didn't mm-hmm. really get that opportunity. In which case, like, sometimes you can sort of see that they're about to do something and, and stop them. I think deal breakers, I'm not really going to tell somebody a deal breaker up front. It's just something that I'm going to look for information about in the early days of dating mm-hmm. someone or knowing them. Uh, like, for example, after I accidentally dated a non-feminist, like, I did start asking people questions mm-hmm. that would lead them to tell me about their political leanings and their uh, beliefs about social justice movements <laughs> pretty mm-hmm. early on because that was just, like, a really important thing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of people are doing that like, a lot of people will talk on first or second dates about, like, do you ever want to get married or have kids or whatever? Mm-hmm. And, like, some people think that that's too intense. But to me, it's like, we've we've got limited time on this earth. Like, I just right. don't want to – I don't want to waste my time getting invested in somebody who it turns out is a fucking MRA. And I don't want to be, like, holding all of these feelings for this person – and then find out, like, they don't, like, they want kids, and I certainly don't. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to have to break something off when I fucking care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not, not that I don't care about the people, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, it's the time, but it's also, like, that's going to hurt me more and mm-hmm. you. But, like, why am I going to set myself up for heartbreak? Like, that's silly, you know? Yep, yep totally. Um. I think for me, oftentimes boundaries come up in conversation when someone has crossed them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, depending on what it is, that can either be really bad or it can be just like a little bit of like a, oops, sorry, didn't know. Mm -hmm. Um, So if it's something where like it would be really, really bad for you or for the relationship if they did it, like maybe you want to bring it up in advance. But like, like something happened early on in my relationship where like, we would be having these phone calls almost every night, but then when my partner would go out, they would, like, Mm. not tell me when they were gonna be getting back home, and so I would just sort of, like, be waiting by the phone all night, and I realized Mm. after this happened a few times, I was like, this makes me feel terrible about myself, and it makes me, like, waste my night, because I don't start anything that's gonna take longer than, like, 20 minutes tops, because I don't wanna, like, have to stop it. 
And so I was like, hey, like, <laughs> I have a, I don't know if I'd call this a boundary necessarily, but like, here's a thing that I would like it if you would do, um, mm-hmm. because I get sad when you don't, uh, is just like, let me know what your ETA is. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was an example of like, something got crossed, and I didn't know how much it was going to bum me out until it happens. And that is often what happens. And I think that mm-hmm. a lot of times, uh, for myself and for many people who have people pleaser tendencies or trauma or other stuff that sort of fucks with your emotional regulation, um, it can take a little while before you realize that something indeed was crossed. Like I sometimes will take like a day or two after somebody hurts my feelings or oversteps a boundary uh, before I'm able to maybe text them and say like, hey, like it kind of wasn't really cool when you did that. And like, you know, maybe we could take xyz measures next time to make sure that that doesn't happen mm-hmm. um and i always find it helpful to sort of gather my thoughts on that type of conversation rather than trying to have it at the moment that it happens um because i'm just not going to be as articulate i find if i try to set a boundary in the moment that it happens a lot of the time i'm so upset that like i end up putting a lot of blame on them even if it's something where like they couldn't have necessarily known mm-hmm. Um, and that's not really a good place to have those conversations from, uh, especially mm-hmm. when it's like a boundary I have that I know is like kind of weird or kind of unusual that like they would have had no way of knowing that they were about to overstep it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think boundaries, especially in this instance, is one of the fuzzier ones for me because mm-hmm. I think I know because I also like it is a thing I often recognize in the times that they are violated, right? I will, sometimes they'll come up in conversation just in like talking about relationship styles or past relationships or preferences and that sort of thing. Like they are things that I have conversations about, but I do also think it is easy to experience a circumstance, have a feeling, and I'm not going to say invent a boundary um i'm not also i also don't want to say discover a boundary because it feels somewhere in between there and this isn't a judgment thing this is me raising my fucking hand and looking at my own memories of like things that i've done right where like (sighs) the linguistic differences between boundaries and rules are can be semantics right Mm -hmm. until we talk about in practice right um, and I have certainly done, like, had experiences where I look and I'm like, oh, this felt bad, must have bumped up a boundary, must have bumped up against a boundary, well, here's where that boundary is. And, like, seven, eight conversations later, looked back and was like, wow, I have, like, a bunch of new boundaries, creating a bunch of fences around the ways I engage with things, and, like, <laughs> ooh, wait a minute, I think I'm legislating away feelings, hmm. mm-hmm. right? So, like... It's just to say things are complicated. I don't know that there's more of a takeaway than that. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, like, you can be going into this with the best interests in heart and phrasing things like boundaries and all of those things and look back and be like, ooh, I made that decision in some feelings, didn't I? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think they are, like – all of these things are something that is worth like continuously checking in with yourself about and with your partners and like interrogating them with people that you trust to be interrogating them in good faith with you. Um, even if that, for many of us, that is a, a journal entry somewhere. For me, I'm not going to get to the root of thought until I'm talking to someone about it. I'm, I'm just, I'm probably not, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so like understanding your where you have space for that. Yep. Last question. I know we're coming up on the end, but like we talked about articulating when we have boundaries. If someone, you know, early-ish in dating, but dating, not like first date, like you have rapport with this person enough that you're going to want to break up or uh, say we're not going on another date, right? Mm -hmm. Not going to just ghost them. Um, cause it's not, it's not ghosting if you've had four conversations. It's just, it's just <laughs> trickling off of conversation. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes people just fall out of each other's circles, but anyway, okay. <laughs> you know what I'm getting at, right? You have someone that you owe a conversation. You feel mm-hmm. like you owe a conversation. They've done something deal breakery. You're like, 
this isn't worth it, right? Mm-hmm. Do you call it a deal breaker? Do you mm. say you have bumped up against XYZ deal breaker and that's why I don't want to see you anymore? Hmm. So when I broke up with that guy who was not a feminist, who Mm -hmm. I also think may have been ace but didn't know he was, and so we were also having problems with our sex life and with communication Mm -hmm. about our sex life. Um, When I broke up with him, I said, I think that we have too many big differences and that there's not really anything that we can do about them. Mm -hmm. And in retrospect, like... I've thought about that a lot of times and thought, like, was that the kinder thing to do or was that actually the meaner thing to do? Because Mm -hmm. I imagine that if someone is ace and doesn't know it or is ace and does know it and isn't telling people or just, like, has some discomfort about sex that they haven't really been able to name or untangle, I imagine Mm -hmm. that he probably assumed that when I said we have too many differences and they're too hard to work out that I was talking about that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was partly talking about that stuff, but it was, I would say it was more like 70, 30. Like, I, you know, yeah. if someone, if I was on board with someone ideologically and we got along well on a personality level, like I feel like I could figure out how to make the sex stuff work in many circumstances, mm-hmm. especially if we were not monogamous. Um, right. But so at the time I thought I was being kind by being vague. And now I'm like, I don't know, maybe I just like made his complex worse and made him feel more ashamed about whatever that mm-hmm. was. I don't know. Um, I do think that if I was going to do something similar these days, I would probably, rather than using the word deal breaker, I'd probably just say something like, I have a personal policy of I don't date people who do this thing. And mm-hmm. it's just because like it's that type of person is just not compatible with me and like truly wish you the best. Good luck. It's, I've enjoyed our dates. Um, mm-hmm. I think that it's before you get to that point it's worth thinking about like is this a thing you are willing to work on and that can be worked on Mm -hmm. um because i think a lot of times especially if there's a strong emotional response involved we may not think through the possibilities i've Mm -hmm. also noticed that if i'm sort of lukewarm on someone but i haven't like really been able to acknowledge that to myself yet and i'm sort of in denial that i don't really want to be dating them that i am mm-hmm. much more likely to have a a jump reaction to something that looks like a deal breaker like i'm just like oh guess i can't date them anymore cuz it just looks like such an easier excuse to end mm-hmm. the relationship rather than the much more amorphous thing of like i just don't think i really like them that much but i'm not sure yeah um and so, yeah, yeah it's, it's worth con- considering, thinking about, maybe talking to a friend about, like, is this something you're willing to work on with them? Mm-hmm. And um, in many cases, the answer is no, and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think... <sighs> Deal breaker feels like a weighty word, and mm-hmm. it's not, like, it, it feels like it... <sighs> I don't know inflammatory isn't quite what I'm getting at, but I, 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 I wouldn't receive it necessarily great. I don't know. Um, I mean, I prop like, I'm not going to be a fucking weirdo if someone's going to say you're a deal breaker to me, but like, I could see it feeling some type of way, right? Like feeling maybe even judgmenty. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you also, like, you talked earlier about how deal breakers often are linked to, like, a moral or ethical code, yeah. and, like, you're more likely to call something a deal breaker if you're like, I just, I, I think you're a bad person, <laughs> which, like, super reductive, obviously, people aren't good and bad, but you know what I mean, you're like, I don't like you. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, like, so I... I'm more likely, I think, to fall on the, like, uh, we just don't seem to, like, there's something, there's big things that we're not going to come together on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think how specific I'm going to be on that, and I'm I'm talking in theory, I'm not talking from experience, really, because I haven't had this experience. Um, but I think in deciding how specific I'm going to be, uh, the questions I would ask myself are, uh, A, how likely is this person to uh, use that specificity as an opportunity for debate? Mm, if I'm yeah. going into this deciding I'm not dating a, fe- a non-feminist, I'm not dating a feminist, Jesus Christ, I'm not dating <laughs> second wave feminist, anyway. Um, 
you know, if I'm going into this, like, I'm not going to date someone who doesn't identify as a feminist and the ways you've talked about your politics to me, I'm just fucking not interested. And you're someone who's going to be like, well, I believe in this kind of this part and this, and I don't actually have to be feminist to, to support women, you know? And like, mm, yeah. and if I'm not, ty- if, if, um, if I don't want to have that debate. I might that, not be. That's definitely part of why I was vague in that breakup yeah. was because I did not want he, him to try to logic bro his way out of the breakup. Like, right. And people do do that. Like, it seems kind of ridiculous. I know. But like, people genuinely do do that, which is understandable. Like, I've I've even had the impulse to argue with people when they said why they were breaking up with me because I thought it was yeah. an insubstantial reason. But the thing is, like, they've already decided and you don't really get to do that. You just don't. Right. Right. And like, if I have decided, I don't. I I I might just not want that conversation. Yeah. Right. Other side of that, is this something that like is this an opportunity for the person to learn from that or whatever? Like, here's a deal breaker. I don't feel like you listen to me. Mm-hmm. I feel like you invalidate my opinions a lot and push too much on my boundaries in ways that makes me uncomfortable. And I'm removing myself from this. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. I've just described a person who's probably going to logic bro me out of out of a um, breakup. So I, pr- I may not necessarily <laughs> – I may judge how willing I am to have that conversation, right? But I would be more willing I, – or I might be more willing to have that conversation if I think that this is a behavior that maybe hasn't been brought to their attention before. Mm-hmm. If I think this is a behavior that like – I ain't helping you get through it, but I'm going to give you a clue so you can get yourself through it Yeah. before you start dating someone else, hopefully. Yeah. Right? Um, if I, like, if I'm like, you, like, you are causing harm with this behavior, right? And I feel safe enough to be the one to tell you that. Yeah. Like, those are the circumstances where I'm more likely to be like, no, I'm breaking up with you because you pulled some wild shit mm-hmm. uh, and you need to think about it. Yeah. Um, but I don't think you owe anyone that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think those are the times where, like, I am more likely to be more explicit. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think that I have sometimes felt a moral responsibility to mm-hmm. tell someone that they were being shitty um, because yeah, truly people often don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, even like fully abusive people, like still for the most part, like tend to see themselves as in the right mm-hmm. and the good guy and whatever. And, you know, it, terrifying thought. I know. <laughs> as and someone it, who works so hard to be a decent human, God, stuff of nightmares. <laughs> anyway, I know. And the thing is, like, it it's not as if you like one person breaking up with them over a behavior like that is necessarily going to change everything or fix everything. But Mm -hmm. I do think that if you're getting that feedback repeatedly over, you know, years, that it will at least contribute to you thinking about it a little bit more deeply. And Mm -hmm. um, we've we talked extensively on like our last series on breakups about like, the question of do you tell someone why, why you're breaking up with them and I think in, in many cases it's just needlessly hurtful but sometimes there are those cases where by telling them you may be preventing the hurt of someone in the future and mm-hmm. yeah I think that that's like a trade-off that's worth making in many cases as long as you feel like you're physically safe right like yeah and that's always kind of a scary part of breakups but yeah you know what I'm also thinking about in this moment is I said I might avoid having this conversation if I think the person's gonna like try and logic bore me out of it or whatever there is a side of that though like if I'm gonna raise this behavior and you're gonna throw a tantrum about it and whatever that looks like you know Mm -hmm. again providing I feel safe um that actually might make that easier for me if I'm like, I'm breaking up with you because of this behavior, and then you start exhibiting this behavior, and I'm like, yeah, see, look at you. And anyway, I don't yeah. feel bad anymore. Look at you still doing it. Look at you. <laughs> you know, which, frankly, is a person who, like, has had a hard time having those conversations. Like, I don't know, there have been times where I've had conversations like that, and the person starts doing the thing, and, and I'm like, oh, yeah, this, this, this is why. This is this right here. Uh, and I... Sometimes that's 
all it takes for me to feel much more confident in my side of what I'm doing, right? Yeah. Because it's so easy for me to be like, uh, I'm breaking up with you because I saw this behavior and it feels bad. But like, I don't know, maybe it's maybe it's my reaction to it or maybe it's like <laughs> pushing my stuff or maybe mm-hmm. you weren't really acting that way. It was just my misread of the situation or and if I'm having that conversation and watching it happen in front of me, all of that disappears. All of that. I'm like, oh, look at this. Look at yep. you showing me why I made this decision. Okay. <laughs> and there are not many relationships, but a couple of times where I've left on like kind of a fighting note and had that kind of experience. I've been like, ah, I, I, I feel totally okay about being the one who walked away here. I feel so <laughs> much better about this. Yep. Um, because having that like, wow, I, I, I came to you and I was like, I'm done. I can't do this. And you still kept doing it. <laughs> you really are just like this. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, All right. Yeah, I don't know. Should we wrap it up? Yeah, I think so. Okay. <clears throat> Thanks for joining us for this episode of The Dildorks. I've been Kate Sloan. I have a blog at girlyjuice.net. I have two books out 101 Kinky Things Even You Can Do, and 200 Words to Help You Talk About Sexuality and Gender. I have a weekly newsletter that's at katesloan.email where you can sign up for five bucks a month or 50 bucks for the year. The most recent one of those was about wet dreams kink, which is something that I've gotten into lately. I'm also going to talk about that on the bonus episode this month. Um, And I'm on Twitter and Instagram at girly underscore juice. Where is your stuff? I'm Billy. I'm like real naked on the internet. You can find me (laughs) over uh, at Billy Lore on Twitter and Instagram and at BillyLore.com. That's where I have uh, links to all my porn and other things. Admittedly, those pages have been a little quiet the last couple of weeks. Um, I'm working on some personal stuff, but coming back relatively soon with like, I have so much, so much content in my queue that's so hot. Oh my God. Um, so eventually, so I, eventually, I will be editing it and posting it in like the next couple of weeks. I'm working on a, a relaunch, so I'd love to have you all over there. And I appreciate your patience while I like figure out my personal stuff on that. Uh, together with the Dildorks, we're out on Twitter and Instagram at the Dildorks and at the Dildorks.com. We're also on patreon.com slash the Dildorks. That's where you throw money at us to help us keep doing this thing that we do. Uh, we really appreciate that. For $6 a month, you get a access to our discord and at $12 a month you get those bonus episodes so you can hear about wet dreams and i don't know presumably the weird sex i'm gonna have between now and when we're recording <laughs> when are we recording a couple days i'll have some weird sex i'll figure it out <laughs> thank you to our top tier patreon supporters amy amelia mb nat and stabitha christie we really appreciate your support Thank you also to Protodome, who did our theme song. Thank you to Amy, who did our logo. And thank you to you for listening. Until next time, folks, get out there and live your sexy, dorky life. Yeah, I just checked my calendar. I, I have a date with a fucking weirdo between now and then, so it'll be great. We're gonna have, I'm going to have so many things for you. It's great. I love good. it. Good. <laughs> good. I'm excited. Yeah.